What's up and welcome to The Good, The Bad and The Worst, a podcast where we watch movie trilogies and uncover which film is going to try to sell you a big box of grease. Joining me are the original odd couple buddy cops themselves. I'm Griner and this podcast is going to hit you so hard you'll end up in the Ming Dynasty. And I'm Luke Morgan and you know, we could have been a good couple. We could have had something special. But you want crazy ass bitch. <laughs> All right, we're talking about Rush Hour. Uh, the... The 1998, 2001, 2007 buddy cop, no action comedy film starring Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker. Boys, what do you what are your experience of these films? I feel like these are films that every single person saw, and I grew up on them, and I feel like everyone who grew up in our era did. But I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, I'm inclined to agree. I don't think I had seen number three, but I definitely had seen number one and two. Um, their movies, you know, there's certainly quotes from these movies I still remember to this day. Um, and I definitely had fun watching them this time. But I, I don't know. I really feel like they're kind of forgettable movies, I must say. Wow. Yeah. Like, yeah. I had fun watching them. I didn't, like, dislike my time with them. But I'm not, I'm not going to think about these movies again until someone mentions them. You know, they're, they're not going to be in the back of my head replaying like some movies are. If you ever touch a black man's radio, you don't think maybe I shouldn't do this, though? Mm, maybe that's the one exception. Um, so, I've watched, like, obviously, yeah, this was a big part of my childhood. Um, I remember watching the VHS of Rush Hour 1 so many times as a kid. Yeah. Um, and, like, I don't know if it's something a seven-year-old should be watching. It's not like it's violent <laughs> or anything like that. But um, I just remember finding it hilarious, like... Um, and obviously different stuff that I found hilarious, you know, like I just remember him dancing in the middle of the street and cracking up laughing as a kid being like, That's what, crazy. man, this dude's so goofy. What the hell's going on? <laughs> and like, um, the whole, you know, war, like what is it good for song with them? Like, and interacting with just, uh, taking the guns off each other. I just have all these nostalgic memories as a kid cracking up at those scenes. Um, I have not watched these movies since I was a kid. Uh, I definitely, I didn't really remember two that much at all. Um, I'm sure I've seen it at one point. One, I remembered like the back of my hand still after all these years. And three, I have a very distinct memory of like, I went to the cinema to watch number three and being like, oh my God, Rush Hour's back. The film I watched when I was a kid, like it's back, you know, seven years later. I'm a, I would have been, I don't know what, like 14, 15 years old and just going to the cinema with my sister and being like, oh, my God, these are the film, you know, the first one we watched when we were a kid. This is the third one. The end of this amazing trilogy that we've been watching. <laughs> it's it's come to an end, this climax. It's the culmination um, of all these threads that are going to get tied together <laughs> finally. Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> like this, the start of the MCU, really. Um, and, yeah, it, it was interesting to go back and watch it. Uh, my wife had never seen these films before. Um, she's now seen... 20 minutes of one and she checked out. Um, <laughs> what? So, um, she still hasn't seen most of them, but it was, they're not, they're not great. One of them I think is a, a very enjoyable film. Uh, the other two, what Griner said, I watched them this week. I kind of don't remember them already. Yeah. It's kind <laughs> of like, it's like, okay, wow. Which one was that? Okay. 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 Cool. That yeah. one. It's just, uh, 
I watched one of these less than 24 hours ago and I don't yeah. think I could tell you the plot of it, but anyway. If that's number yeah. three, that's because the plot of that film is, is hot trash. Maybe, fair enough. Yeah. See, I um, I grew up mostly with number two, you know, back like oh, renting it wow. for, whatever, for whatever reason. You know, when you're a kid, you rent a different movie because you see the cover and it looks cool or your parents rent it or, or a sibling has it because they saw the first one before you. So anyway, somehow me and my sister ended up watching Rush Hour 2 first, I think. And that's the one we always rented. That's the one I know, like the back of my hand. I, and still to this to this day, even though it's, I can very clearly see it's not as good as the first one. I think I just enjoy it more because of that sentimentality. So do you watch number one? And you're like, oh, they're referencing number two when he says, "Never touch a black man's radio." Is that is that you? <laughs> that's exactly right. No, um, and so I, we saw number one around the same time as like soon after, but mm. um, yeah, it was definitely just number two. It was just a fun movie, and that's what these are. I think on the rewatch, one and two at least definitely feel like two two of a kind and they're they're just fun they're to me they're very entertaining they're great background movies i put these on when i just want something not to think about it's just really fun to dip in and out of and you go, oh this is that set piece you know this is the part where they go to vegas or yeah this is the this is their introduction this is um this is the gun taking scene like that's cool this is the great set piece where jackie chan scales up some scaffolding like mm, yeah. they're really fun for that to just have going listen to some jokes have a laugh um I- I will say I expected them to be worse. I was like, because mm. I haven't seen them since I was a kid. I was genuinely like, oh, man, these are going to be bad films. Um, and one thing I'll say that I really appreciated, like these days, how we watch a trilogy every fortnight, was the length of these films. Oh, so yeah. good. <laughs> An hour and 20 minutes. Like, yeah. like the, you know, the credits take up the last 10 minutes. Exactly you got right. an hour and 20 minutes of yeah. this film. Man, I was like, I could knock all three of these out in a night, basically. Yeah. it's It was fantastic. Yeah. It flies by and you're like, okay, cool. That's all this movie needs to be. And films yeah. aren't like that anymore. And it was so good yeah. at that. Yeah. So, I, guess, yeah. I mean, especially coming off a, a five-part saga. Twilight saga. <laughs> of movies, all Two movies hours. that were far longer than they should have been. Yeah, it was, it was refreshing to dip in and out in an hour and a half, hour and 20 minutes. Yeah. And I think that adds to its re- to for me at least its rewatchability and its somewhat enduring appeal is that it is so short you can watch them. There's no fluff. There's no like you know they use the backstory in number two as a plot point, but there's no real delving into like character. There's the there's a handful of relationships mentioned that, but it's just like no, this is it. It's just it's a couple of days in their lives, and that's all we need. And it's it flies by. I think it's um. Mm-hmm. I mean, all the plots are forgettable. The these movies really are just. Pure comedies. They're just good for laughs. There's good action. There's no real violence. It's all pretty, you know, it's all, even though the are M here, Luke, you were saying you shouldn't have watched it as a kid. I'm like, I can see why my parents let us watch this as kids because they're actually yeah. pretty tame. Like, you know, the worst they ever say is asshole or um, they say they drop, they drop shit once or twice. But I think it's like once in each movie. Yeah. And that's really it. They, they keep it pretty sanitary. Yeah. Like that, that's the thing. Like, it's, it's not really blood or guts or anything. Like, and the thing that I loved about it so much as a kid, especially the first one, like I'll praise a lot, the first one a lot, is just like it's just Jackie Chan stunts. Like, mm. so good. and watching so good. it now, like it feels like that's not a thing anymore. You know, like these physical stunts. It's all like these CGI fights and big action sequences. But somebody just like doing interesting stuff like the way they flip over a couch and then use this as a shield to do this or use this to disarm like somebody. It's this really interesting stuff of how, 
you know, he looked at things, oh, we could use that, use this and do this in this fight and it'll look cool. And it's basically mm. all that 10 minute scene is, but it was so fun to watch. And like, I'd be flipping around my lounge room as a kid, like mm. thinking, pretend to be Jackie Chan. It was the coolest thing ever. I played the Jackie Chan game on PS1, whatever it was. It was well, so cool. That cartoon show was cool. Yeah, it was cool. It was cool. Yeah, I was thinking about the stunts and, like, the the thing I think of in modern day of, like, doing your own stunts is, is Tom Cruise. But it's always mm. these huge set pieces. You know, he's climbing the tallest tower in Dubai or he's hanging off an aeroplane while it's in the air. And, like, Jackie Chan stunts feel really small compared to that, but they're just so much fun and they really do, I think, add to the... Add to the film, and you're right. We don't see that kind of you know smaller stunt work, I guess, as much anymore. It feels like, yeah, no, even yeah, you're, that's a good way to put it because they they do feel small, but at the same time, when you think about the logistics and mm. the work that goes into it, they're huge. Oh, like some of the like in number one where he's jumping around and there's like he jumps over a bus and like yeah. there's, there's vehicles all over the road. Like that stuff can be very dangerous, obviously. Yeah, and there's a lot of choreography and timing involved to get that right. Yeah. And yeah, it's all. These films are better because we get to, well, the first two are better because we get to see, you know, there is a difference between showing a stuntman doing stunts and showing the actor doing stunts. You know, you can film it differently. You don't have to hide as much. And, it, yeah, it really does add to those movies, I think. Yeah. And it, I was thinking a bit about, I'm watching this about Brett Ratner, and we'll mention a brief, we'll mention two things about him here. So the first thing is that obviously Brett Ratner is cancelled, as he should be cancelled. He's a um, pretty unsanitary dude. Mm hmm. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't think we should harp on this. So if, if someone, if you guys want to make make your piece, please do. But I, okay, like I don't want to harp on it and bring the podcast down. But but you're going to. That's fine. It's it definitely needs addressing because Brett Ratner is really not a good dude. And some of these films, and I feel like the the more it goes on, especially a third one, it's hard to watch knowing that Brett Ratner is the director. Um, yeah. the, third, the third one the third one especially is weird there's a lot of scenes where you're just like like it's like i don't know it's like he's just using chris tucker to live out his fantasies and doing <laughs> stuff like that he would do it's like is he playing brett ratner is this what brett ratner's like <laughs> and just like certain camera shots and it's just like like you know the even the two girls at the start of the movie like the way he has them up on the bench and it's just like yeah, I don't know. It's it goes really into creepy territory with uh, Chris Tucker's character. Yeah, I mean um, he's sleazy throughout the films, but I think yeah. the third one it gets really weird. Like the the young daughter, he's he's like, we should buy her a teddy bear and a bra as she walks yeah. in. Like yeah. it's super yeah. creepy, and then because he's convinc- older now. It's- yeah, and like convincing all the models that. You know, they yeah, should yeah. get naked. Like, it's that's very creepy. There's very much an imbalance of power there, which is the thing he's been accused of, obviously. Like, yeah, it does. I don't know. It's hard not to draw the parallels when the character's already sleazy and kind of not called out for it at all, particularly in the third film. Yeah, um, right. Like, I mean, rewarded I, for it in a lot of ways. You know, it just feels a bit dirty. Like, a lot of it doesn't hold up at all. No. Like,. It's, I don't know, it just was, it was kind of weird to me as well. And it's so weird because, like, obviously watching it back in 2007 when the third one came out, like, it's not like it, you know, it was glaringly this thing as a 14-year-old. pre-me too, but yeah. It wasn't bothering me as a 14-year-old kid probably, but, like, you know, it's weird the scene, like, where she takes her wig off and she's just got a shaved head. And it's like it's, like, five minutes of him acting like she's a dude. Yeah, that's she's like, got a shaved head, and it's like, yeah. it's not funny. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. And it just, it really harps on it, and it's just, yeah, it's, I don't yeah. know, it's awkward. That scene's very, 
very brutally bad. Look, we'll circle yep. back to this because this is all stuff to talk about with number three specifically. Yes. And I do have a lot of, I, I want to engage with this then because it's it's all about that film or anything. But with Brett Ratner, just for anyone listening home, um, he's got a string of things. He was accused originally of making slurs about uh, homosexuals during the, when he was prepping for the Oscars way back. Mm. That got him sort of on the radar. And then once Me Too started, he got accused by many women for sexual assault and rape. Um, I don't know if anything's fully come, fully come from that, but it seems, you know, pretty obvious that he did it. He knows he's no longer working. His production company, I think, has more or less just gone quiet and he's his career is sort of dead and he has just disappeared, which is definitely what should have happened. Yeah. Um, but then looking at his, just thinking about him as a director as well, I was just looking into a bit of like his whole thing. Um, even his photos just kind of creepy. He's just a greasy, greasy looking dude. Mm. Um. I was just thinking about just his direction, you know, like all these films come up with a Brett Ratner movie and I was like, okay, let's see if his fingerprints are on this. And in number three, he's got some dirty, dirty fingerprints on it. But I was talking with a guy at work as well and he's like, is Brett Ratner a good director? I'm like, he's not. But the one thing I'll say to his style, at least in this, is what we were saying about Jackie Chan's physical acting. At the very least, he he doesn't move the camera too much when Jackie's doing stuff. And so you can tell Jackie Chan is doing this stuff. You can tell it's all authentically done. And I was just thinking if this was done 10 years ago, 10 years later, when the era of shaky cam and stuff, it would just be, and that's partially the reason I wonder if the style of physical action comedy is dying Hmm. with CGI and with just different values of action where you don't need to have Jackie Chan doing stunts because you're just shaking it everywhere. Yeah. But at the very least, you know, this is the only positive thing I'll say about him. Brett Radner was just like, let's make sure we can see what's happening. And I'm like, that is exactly what you need in this movie where you can just tell it's these fun stunts and it's very just clearly laid out for you to watch and observe and marvel at as it's like an intricate chess game basically happens where Jackie's like, you know, we'll use this stool, which goes here, which flies out there. And it's like, it's, yeah. it's fantastic. Mm. And like, we will circle back to it since it is three. But it's kind of like my whole thing. Like, I feel like number one, it is it is that. Like, you see Jackie Chan doing all this stuff. Three, I feel like it's missing so much. All of like that sort of stunt and yeah. Like, I don't know. I feel like there's one or two things at the start, and then it's nothing for like a lot of the movie, and then it comes back for the final scene. But it's just like yeah. We'll get into that anyway when we talk about three. But yeah, we will. Um, I'll try and do some. Actually, we'll do stats, and then I'll go into it. You guys ready for stats? Yes. Stats, 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 stats. There it is. All right. Rush Hour 1, released in 1998. Made on a budget of $35 million. Grossed a total of $244 million. It's big returns. Nice. Different time, the 90s. Um, <laughs> IMDb score of 7.0, meta score of 60. Rush Hour 2, released in 2001. Made on a budget of $90 million. Grossed $347 million. Good. Uh, IMDb of 6.6, Metascore of 48, a bit of a drop-off. Rush Hour 3, released in 2007, made on a budget of $140 million, grossed $258 million. So we see that um, that pretty universal pattern, I feel, where you've got something successful, you've got that peak, and then it starts mm. to decline. And that's why we've never seen Rush Hour 4, which, I don't know, we might talk about later. Um, Rush Hour 3 has an IMDb of 6.4, Metascore of 44. Now, I didn't look at the Rotten Tomatoes scores, which I should have, because, fun fact, Rush Hour is the movie that essentially created Rotten Tomatoes. Did you guys know this? No. 
So the creator of Rotten Tomatoes, a guy named Sen Duong, he created it because he wanted to collect the reviews of Jackie Chan's Hong Kong films as they were released in America. Because this is around the time they were starting to come out, you know, they, they were picking up steam. So he created this website called Rotten Tomatoes as like an aggregate. And wow. thus, and thus we have the worst possible film reviewing website. <laughs> How could you not use the Rotten Tomatoes scores to talk so, about this film then? I thought it was ironic. Oh man. He's rolling over in his grave if he's dead. I, if he's dead. <laughs> I assume Luke, you I assume you looked him up. No, I didn't. I oh. don't. I don't, man. He's just I mean, I, I can look him up real quick. I just know I number thought... three. I know number three is like fourteen percent. And the first one, I think he's 70-something? Yeah, that sounds right. Do you guys go with the audience meter or the critic meter? Depends which one I agree with. Which one? Which one? <laughs> Rush Hour ones, the tomato meter is 61%. The audience score is 78%. Yep. Uh, number two is 52%. Tomato meter, 74% audience. And then Rush Hour 3 is... Sorry, it's not showing me up there. Uh, but Grindr, like you said, it was much lower. It is 17% tomato meter, yes, low. And 63% audience, so. Well, still, audience still coming through for that. Yeah, they're still fans. Um, Good on them. Yeah. So, yeah, um, that was that's a fun piece of trivia. There is other trivia I just wanted to briefly touch on in this film, if you guys are okay with that. Yep. Right. I thought these were quite interesting. So there's that fact. There's uh, the line, do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Arguably the most quoted, <laughs> quoted quote from these movies. That was actually based on Jackie Chan's real response when he met Chris Tucker because Chris Tucker talks so fast and he said that to an agent. He said, I can't understand a word coming out of his mouth. Yeah. Um, some of the fake bills used in Rush Hour 2 actually ended up in circulation in Las Vegas <laughs> through the casinos. And they, actually, they said on the, instead of in God we trust, they say in dog we trust. But um, anyway, reports are mixed on how this happened. Some say they avoided destruction. Others say that some of the extras working stole them. <laughs> And the, at one point, the FBI actually came in to have to try to sort it out because they were wondering if they had violated the copyright or the money, the money, um, like copyright act, which is weird that that happened. Um, now, unfortunately, for a very strange reason, Roman Polanski turns up in Rush Hour Three. Yes, <laughs> which adds to the, mm. <laughs> the problematic layers. Um, yes. It's because he was a, he was a fan and he requested to do it, and it makes a lot of sense knowing what we know now. Um, those are my fun facts for this. Did you guys know any fun facts about these? That last fact was so fun. (laughs) Hey, he gets punched in the face. By two different dudes. Yeah. All right. Rush hour one. Detective Lee, a loyal and dedicated Hong Kong inspector, teams up with a reckless and loudmouth LAP detective, James Carter, to rescue the Chinese consul's kidnapped daughter while trying to arrest a dangerous crime lord along the way. What a very... Simple plot that works. The simplest of simple plots, yeah. But you're and right. It works. It's better than the other two plots, um, in my opinion, especially. But, like, it's it, it just works. And, like, it goes to the whole thing of being an hour and 20 minutes. Like, it's all you need for this. It's a classic 90s, you know, buddy cop film. Um, this film is funnier than what? I thought it would be. Um, I loved it when I was a kid and I just, I thought I was going to cringe. Um, and yeah, <laughs> a, a lot of the stuff doesn't hold up, but I what, audibly... What specifically doesn't hold up? I, I well, want to no, engage like, with this. Racist stereotypes, stuff like that. like Such as? 
Jackie Chan uses the N word in one scene. I, I no, like, that, yeah, that's the, I, that's the big one. I but don't think it would get I, like I don't think it's super offensive. Like because I don't he's, know. In- he's impersonating someone he's just seen, but I don't think you would do it today if you made this film today. By no any chance means. in hell. Um, and I it's just very much like you know he says that, and then the the guy behind the bar just automatically reacts with violence. Like it's very um, stereotypical. Like. Oh, that's it. Now I'm going to beat you up instead of having a conversation. And I get it. It's an acted film. I'm not you're saying... Like, you're expecting him to be like, hey, let me sit you down and tell you why you can't Look, use that word. Man. You're on the wrong side of history, Jackie Chan. <laughs> you know, this is a bike. This is a crime bar, man. Of course that's what... Like, you think they're just going to talk simply? No, it's going to be violence. I get it. I'm just saying, like, it's stuff that wouldn't hold up today. It's not like I was watching it and clutching my pearls or anything like that. And when I was a kid watching it, obviously... I had no clue what was going on. I just thought it was funny that he's copying. Um, he says, do as I do in here. And he does because he doesn't know what the hell he's mm. doing in this country. Yeah. Um, so it's fine. But obviously there's – it's a weird – this film is kind of interesting because I feel like it's oh, – there's a lot of stuff with race. Obviously, like, yeah, it's a famous line, like, do you understand the words that come out? But it's very much like, you know, Chris Tucker's character – is racist against Asians, it seems like, or not very, you know, politically correct around it. Um, but it's kind of interesting that this film, like it's a buddy cop that doesn't have a white lead. Like it's a black, has a black Ooh. lead and an <clears throat> Asian lead. And all buddy cop films, like, you know, we're a white lead and a black lead, like, or a white lead or and an older white lead. It's just like... It's or a white lead and a dog. Yeah. White, was... <laughs> you watched the same video I did. I was like, that's a brilliant point. Um, it's just, yeah, it's kind of interesting because it does have that racist side of it, but it's also kind of trod new ground that was made it unique and it worked. Like, it was great. Like, and I, I loved this film as a kid, you know, and it was interesting to see these different things, different perspectives. So. Sorry, before we get too far away from it, the other thing that wouldn't fly today is asking a female co-worker what colour her panties are. Like, I think that yeah. just that crosses the line of sleaziness. Like, I get it it's Chris Tucker's character, but that guy is no longer on the force. And like, he's, yeah. he's cancelled because, <laughs> like, he treats her pretty poorly. Even yeah. just like like the, that, it's just like a throwaway line of a joke of like, "Oh, sorry, I spread those rumors that we slept together." Like it's just like <laughs> it's sleazy stuff that wouldn't make him the hero in today's no. films. No. You know, it's um, yeah, but it is what it is. Yeah, they're definitely products of their time. Like, yeah, that was exactly the sort of thing that was played for laughs and was pretty rampant like at that time and. Mm. Like, yeah, they, like this comes up everywhere. It wasn't as if this film at the time was like, oh, that's bad. It's like, no, that's that's normal. That's um, that's just normal jokes. Ha ha, that's funny. Yeah. And yet, you know, if you remade this today, well, they did remake it as a TV show, which I never watched. But they, they, like, if you made it, yeah, there's certain jokes that are of a time. Um, but look, I think your point's interesting. Like that strange sort of <laughs> trailblazing is a strong word. But yeah, by having this like this huge blockbuster and intentionally not casting a white dude at all in the main in any main role is really interesting and really does sort of put a head and shoulders above a lot of the other buddy cop films, I think. And they like they definitely play on stereotypes, but it's like 
I, I never felt like I was racist. I more felt like, like, here's a culture clash. Here's something interesting. These two people coming from completely different cultures. You know, you've got, you've got Jackie Chan who, you know, English is his second language, doesn't speak it very well. And you've got Chris Tucker who speaks a mile a minute. Um, Too much English. Yeah. And it's just like, it is a really interesting clash of those two cultures. And I think it's mostly handed well, apart from the few things we've, we've mentioned. Yeah. Like, I think yeah. like it's, it's interesting. I like those cultures do clash. They're not, you know, it's okay to celebrate our differences and, and say we aren't all exactly the same. Um, yeah, I think it handles it reasonably well, particularly of the time when it was, was handling it. You're right. It's, you know, it's kind of blazing a trail. It's cool. Mm. I definitely think, yeah, like, this film, I can I can sort of see why people would be. Actually, I don't, I don't know. Look, I went into Letterbox. I've talked about Letterbox before. I like Letterbox, but it's full of hipsters, and I hate hipsters. So it's a great irony in my life. Nonetheless, Says the hipster. I was yeah. expecting all of their feedback to be like, "This film should be cancelled. It's evil. One star. You know, burn Brett Ratner." But surprisingly, the reception was a lot more warm than that. And it was actually, you know, a lot of people like this film is actually still really funny. My point is, I I can see, I guess as a white man, as not being either of the groups portrayed in this film, I can see, I can't understand why some people would find it offensive. The biggest, because I think what this movie does is there, it doesn't play there the differences off as like condemnations or as one side is wrong or one side is right. It plays them off as just as differences mostly, as ignorance that mm-hmm. is overcome. Ignorance. And by not having a white savior lead, it really avoids that issue of being like, the person of color is a foil so the white man can grow. It's actually like, no, these are just two different people who haven't been in this environment and have to learn. And I think at the core of it, they really have this incredibly great relationship where they're like brothers. And, you know, like... They have good chemistry. They have amazing chemistry. It's insane Mm. how good that is. And these movies live and die on that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, their relationship's really sweet. In the end of number two, when they're walking away at the airport... You see Chris yeah. Tucker just like watching him the whole time, waiting for him to talk. And he comes like, yeah, Lee, what's up? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> these guys are such good friends. It's really beautiful. And like their differences are, it's like with your, with your friends, you tease your mates, you, mm. you call them yeah. names. And when you have friends of different ethnicities and you have that enough of a relationship that you know it's all of love, depending on what the standard is, you can tease them about this stuff. And it's like, yeah, it's all in good humor because that's what we do. We tease each other about our foibles. And that's what I, that's the, that's how I feel about these movies. They're very much like, Hey Jackie, you're short, and he's just like, "Ha ha, you talk too fast." It's like, "Ha ha," but yeah. we, we we'd do anything for each other. Yeah. See, it's like I feel like you know because of who they are as well. Like you've got Chris Tucker, who is very much Chris Tucker in in these films. Yeah. Like you put a like a white lead in that role, saying any of the stuff that he says to Jackie Chan. And that film does not hold up at all today. No, <laughs> like no. having a white man yell in his face, being like, "Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth?" <laughs> it paints a very different picture. Telling him, you know, look around, you might find one of your cousins. Like it's, <laughs> it wouldn't hold up as much. But Chris oh. Tucker being Chris Tucker, you're like, he's an ignorant, like, you know, flamboyant person. That's just like it's mm. him. He's, yeah, he's like the definition of, of speaking before you think, right? Like he's just, yeah. he's a stream of consciousness and it just comes yep. blurting out of his mouth very loudly. Yep. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Yeah. But, um, um, yeah, I, I, I like the plot simple, but like I remembered as soon as the film was started, I was like, oh, that's right. Girl gets kidnapped. You've got the, um, the blonde dude from Lost, who that's who yeah. I knew him from. So it was yeah, kind of weird. Not- like I watched this film as a kid 
then I've watched Lost later on in life, never been like, oh, that's the guy from Rush Hour because I haven't seen that film in ages, you know, and watching <laughs> this again, being like, oh, my God, it's him from Lost. Um, yeah, I always forget that he's in this. Yeah. Um, it's so funny. We started watching the film. The second that first scene opens up and it's, you know, like the, the final day of um, the British Hong Kong thing as well. And as soon as it, uh, what is Falcone from Batman Begins is at the table. My wife goes, oh, there's the bad guy. The movie. <laughs> He's bad. He, it's kind of like that. Eh? <laughs> and it's like, yep, well, there you go. And half hour before it's revealed, he's a bad guy. That's totally the bad guy of this film. And they dip into it again in number three, which is just lazy. Ass. Yeah. <laughs> it's like another rich old white man. It's like, yeah, okay, guys. Straight away, I was just like, I don't remember this film, but I bet he's the bad guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Some of, the, some of the, end, the stuff in the end of this film, just gets me when there's a big showdown and he's, they're um they're like the deal when Chris Tucker confronts him and he's like fight like a man and then um earlier on he's like you know wipe yourself off you're bleeding and then later on she's like wipe yourself off man you dead you dead every oh. <laughs> like that's thing when certain lines would come up like that I remember saying that line so many times as a kid like yes. cracking up and being like oh my god that's right I love that line like it's just um. Jackie Chan like dangling from the thing and him just being like, I'm gonna I'll go get an ambulance, I'll be back in an hour. And he's like, What? <laughs> and he's like, I was just playing. Like, ah, <laughs> oh, cracked me up so much when I was a kid. And yeah. even um little things that Chris Tucker does, like when the money's falling, he's like, Thank you, God. And he's just yeah. like putting putting money in his pockets. <laughs> and it's just like, Man, this is oh. this is who I would be, maybe. <laughs> it's yeah. Like it's it's funny. It I think a lot of the humor does surprisingly hold up. Like I found a lot of scenes in this had me laughing. And I was like, oh, wow, no, this is actually, it's stupid, but this is mm. funny. Like, it's just, yeah. it's over the top. And yeah. Yeah, I kept writing down like one line. I was like, sweet and sour chicken ass. <laughs> <laughs> Next time being polite to my nuts. Yeah. <laughs> the one that got me is like, my mum is ashamed of me. It's like, I t- she tells everyone I'm a drug dealer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, and then, of course, the one, I don't know if it's racing or not, but when he's like, we got the same mother, I'm Blackanese. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I still I still quote that sometimes to my family. Yeah. Um But yeah, just I don't know, these just yeah. And some of the set pieces in this film just blow my mind every time. Like I kind of see why like you can totally see why this Jackie Chan is such a superstar, right? Mm. Yeah. Um the sheer I don't know, just the ability to do that. And obviously he works with his group, his team who you see the same sort of guys in every film. Who are always just the extras and stuff for good reason. Yeah, it's just amazing. It's like this is a this is kind of the perfect film for that because he obviously had a big career in Hong Kong, um, mm. made heaps of films before this. Sort of you know inspired and um, very much like based off Bruce Lee before this, but made it a bit more just made it more comedy and fun. Yeah, but yeah, this interesting by having like the culture clash as the main sort of tension point, it just becomes really fascinating because you see. Because we, you know, as Western audiences see it as new, as a Carter sees it as new. And so it's just kind of, it's really fun to be like, this, this is just this interesting world going on here that we don't know about either, right? Like audiences in the West didn't, the standard film moviegoer hadn't seen Police Story and hadn't seen Drunken Master and stuff. They hadn't seen Jackie Chan's stuff. Mm-hmm. So seeing him now as like this new brand was like, holy crap, this is revolutionary. Um, mm. Yeah, it's, and it's one of a kind really, like, yeah, it's 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 sad we don't have this still. Hmm. I um, I love, I you know I remember loving it as a kid, but like I love the whole scene, like the stunt of like him trying to save the artifacts, like the vase, 
and everything. Yeah. And it goes for so long, like, and he's like literally thrown up, punching all these people, walks away, it gets shot and blows up anyway. Yeah. He's just like, shit. It's like, it cracks me up because uh, those stunts are cool. Like, he's yeah. literally like throwing that and he's actually doing that and yep. doing these moves. And yeah, it's very unique. Like, it's especially now, like these days, like I said earlier, um, it's, it was refreshing to watch these sort of action scenes. It was like, oh, yeah. this is different, you know? It's yeah, yeah, it's good. Yeah, his story is like he he nearly died in a bunch of the stunts in one stunt where they got the forklift and they drive a metal box and they crash. Like yeah. he he just moved his head out of the way. I was like, if he had left it there for like half a second longer, he would have died. And yeah. so that's that's insane. That might and obviously be why they, they don't do them sort of stunts anymore. <laughs> well, you, look, there's obviously a lot of safety stuff there, but yeah, it wouldn't fly anymore without HNS. But um. Yeah, it's just there's a magic to it, yeah, that you can't get otherwise. Yeah, um, I mean, isn't that a big part of why he does the like? It's always Jackie Chan movies that have the the um the the stuff up at the end. I've lost the word, but during the, the credits, bloopers. Where the blooper shows the bloopers. It's often him like getting carted away into hospital with the, with the thumbs up or something, and it's in yeah. a stretcher. Whereas these movies didn't have that, fortunately. So he obviously didn't hurt himself. Actually, hurt himself, but obviously there's always yeah. close calls and these big stunts. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I just remember, like, him jumping up that wall at the embassy. Yeah. And, like, it was the coolest thing ever. I was like, man, how did, how did he do that? And, like, yeah. he actually is doing that, you know? Well, him just, him, I love him fighting with the steering wheel on his hand. Like, yeah. I, it's yeah. just so much fun. Steering wheel. This movie it's has great. a, I think it has a really good balance of, like, him doing stunts. And I think, I think Chris Tucker can be too much, but I think he's, he's the right amount in this movie. This is the one where they get it perfect. I yeah. think as it goes on, he becomes a bit too much for me. But in this yeah. film, like, there's a good balance of him and Jackie and Jackie doing his stunts. Yeah, like very well. Like, yeah, most enjoyable of them. Yeah, because it's a great twist on the whole the funny guy and the straight man, right? Like Jackie Chan is the straight man here. Yeah. All the jokes just bounce off. But by adding this extra element of martial arts, it makes it such so much more interesting. It's not just one. Yeah, like you compare this to, I guess, any of the other big ones. You know, you've got Lethal Weapons. You've got 48 Hours. You've got Turner and Hooch. Mm-hmm. Um and like all those have that just that dynamic of you've got one guy who's the hard nosed detective. I mean, yeah. there's also the, there's that movie Red Heat with Arnold Schwarzenegger that is essentially the same plot, um, which they probably ripped off. But yeah, it's always that same thing: just one <laughs> guy who is just no nonsense, and one guy who's all nonsense. Yeah, and it's just yeah, these movies I think hold up more than a lot of them, a lot of those buddy cop films, be, precisely because of this. It's like this is this adds this makes it more interesting. Like I don't know where would you guys rank this in the buddy cop. Uh, I don't know, podium. Are you guys big buddy cop fans? So, I'll um, I'll be honest. I, call, I called you buddy cops at the beginning of this movie. So. Podcast. I, I um, I don't know if I've really watched buddy cop films. Um, wow. it's like a genre that I avoided. Um, so because you don't this, have any buddies. Or? Yeah, it's a just tragedy. Um, <laughs> but like I um. I, like I'll put this one at my top because I, I don't really have much to compare it to. Like honestly, um, I, I guess mean, Twenty One Jump Street. That's a modern buddy cop. That's probably the most modern buddy cop. But yeah. I, I really like those films. They they they're hilarious to me. So I'd probably yeah have that up there. But Rush Hour is one of the top. I, I think for sure. Yeah, I think for me, Twenty One Jump Street. Um, Hot Fuzz, I think it still counts. Yeah, it's totally. Yeah, totally. Um, I, I'm a bit of. A, I like Bad Boys. I really like Bad Boys. 
I, Bad Boys is good. I'm keen to do it on this podcast actually at some I've point. I've never but, watched Bad Boys. Oh, I yeah, it's it's up there. I'm trying to think of any others, but yeah, and you got, the, the you other got, yeah, guys. Like, the other guys is good too. The other guys good. The nice guys, um, Shane Black. Mm. That's but a yeah, good film. That's, that's a, a good film. It is. Yeah, I know. You guys haven't seen Lethal Weapon. No, I've seen bits and pieces here and there. I, I don't think I've ever sat down and watched them all. So. Yeah, I'm keen. To, I'm keen to do that because they're. Yeah. Um, that that's a very good like that they've got a really good dynamic, Mel Gibson, Danny Glover. Mm. Yeah. Should we yeah. move on? Con- well, Conan, where do you put Frank it? you you seem like you're a buddy cop guy, so I'm not a, it's not something that I really seek out, but I've just coincidentally seen a bunch. I know I would these are honestly the ones that I think probably would rank up the top just because they movies like Hot Fuzz, even though Hot Fuzz is a much better movie, that relies on more than just the buddy cop dynamic. Yeah. Whereas Rush Hour is by definition a buddy cop film, and um, yeah, when I think of when I think of the genre, I think of this, and I'm like, I'm sure most of that is just my nostalgic attachment, but I'm just like, it's it's that per- like I said, it's the perfect combination of comedy and action. It's I guess their um, dynamic their dynamic is unmatched, and you can see it in the bloopers. Like they just are obviously really good friends. They just laugh at each other. They just think they're really funny. They just they have such rapport. Yeah. So. Uh, three points I want to make before we move on to the next one. Um, I, I like, the, I love the conversation of like when they're basically having a pissing contest over their dads. <laughs> it's just like my dad can kill your daddy. <laughs> my dad will kick your ass. It's just, uh, it's really funny how they just keep. It's, it's it sort of starts off sentimental, like, oh yeah, my dad was a cop too, and he did this, and then it just totally turns out he did twenty. He arrested twenty five guys in one night. Like it's yeah. just like keeps going. Like, my daddy caught a bullet with his bare, bare hands. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, I, I love the line as well. We we're just talking about like funny lines earlier, but like when um, Old Falcone falls from the building and lands in the fountain, he's just like. Oh, you know he did. <laughs> um, but the bloopers, I really feel like the bloopers are almost the funniest parts of these films. I really enjoy these bloopers. And I remember as a kid loving the bloopers as well. And I had I had a weird nostalgia for the bloopers. I was like, oh, that's right, this scene. And like this scene of the bloopers. And I'm so glad they did the bloopers in all three of them because definitely yeah. I feel like in the last two, the bloopers are the funniest highlights <laughs> of those films. <laughs> Um, I literally called my wife again. I was like, oh, the bloopers are on for number three. Come on in here. Watch this. She loves bloopers. Um, and they don't, pe- people don't do bloopers anymore. No, and not so much. The, no. They're extras on DVDs, but no one buys DVDs anymore except for Conan. Um, I've got a lot of bloopers here. It was, it was funny to watch. Like it's it's a nice thing after the film's done to just be like, oh, yeah, you know, it, they're having fun and that's the best thing to watch. So, and their chemistry is great. Yeah. Yeah. Grana, any final words on number one? Uh, I enjoy where he's, where he's ordering Chinese food. And he's like, don't you have some nuts so greasy? <laughs> like, no soul food. <laughs> I didn't ask for soul food. Yeah, it's just this is some greasy shit. Yeah. Uh, it's just so random. It's just really random. It's a really random scene. Like, there doesn't seem to be yeah. any reason for him to be. Anyway, I enjoyed it. He's just like, I'm no punk bitch. And he's like, yeah, no punk bitch. <laughs> uh, it's real good. It's really good. Yeah. All right, Rush Hour 2. <clears throat> it's vacation time for James Carter and uh, Detective Lee, and they're in Hong Kong. While Carter wants to party and meet the ladies, Lee's out to track down a triad gang lord who might be responsible for killing two men at the American embassy. Things, of course, get complicated as the pair stumble into a counterfeiting plot by LA crime boss Stephen Rain and the triad Ricky Tan. 
an ex-cop who played a mysterious part in the death of Detective Lee's father. This was the simplest synopsis I could find that actually said anything about it, which kind of goes to say that the plot is a it's bit of a mess. It's not simple. It's a I, mess. I, I have no recollection of this movie, honestly. But it's also entirely pointless, and that's okay. Mm. Is like, it? I think so, because the, the whole crux of this one is about, you know, Ricky Tan's and Detective Lee's past, and Ricky Tan plays a role in it. And yep. you know, there's a whole Stephen Rain stuff, and that's kind of so side. Like he has two scenes, but that I really don't even doesn't remember who you're talking about. <laughs> like, I yeah, that, that's what I mean. And I think rewatching it again, I'm like, it's intentionally done so. He has no, he has three scenes. Sorry, and he's completely. He really is just like this MacGuffin almost. When mm. the whole plot is actually Lee is trying to pursue Ricky Tan for his, you know, to avenge his father. Yeah. And so I'm cool with that because it's got a, it's got a good motivation. As you said, we've established that they, their fathers are important to them. But, like, this film I feel like is a bit of a mess. Like, I, I don't get, like, why 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 the fake death thing? Like, why get shot off the boat? To get out of Hong Kong. Okay. Yeah. Because it's like, then it's like two scenes later, he's like, oh, I'm actually alive. And yeah. I'm actually a bad guy again. Like, only like, after watching this film, however many times I've seen it, on this rewatch, <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, because he says he's trying to get out and this is how he gets to America. Yeah. So, yeah, okay. But it makes sense. It's just very convoluted. I feel like the first half of this film, like I, I like the, the fight in the massage parlor while they're wearing their robes and like that's that's kind of funny. Um, I feel like the last half of this movie is a kind of a blur and I don't remember it. Yep. I I feel like maybe I zoned out. I don't remember the climax for number two. Climax um, is great. What, what's the climax again? What is it? It's the showdown in the casino. So oh, That's right. And then oh, Ricky Sam yeah. kills Stephen Rain. I feel Chris like, Tucker fights, that, fights the Chinese girl. Yeah. I feel like because of how short these movies are, I remember watching like the casino and being like, okay, a casino set piece. And I was like, Oh, that that's 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 that was the end of the movie. Okay, the yeah. credits are coming up now. I was like, okay, yeah. I didn't realize that was the big climax of this film. But yeah, I I don't know. It's it's all right. It's still entertaining. There's still some stuff that's funny. Um, sort of what Griner said earlier. Chris Tucker gets a bit too much in some parts in this film. Um, but I feel like yeah, this one I could not tell you the plot in. In one week's time, I won't remember anything about it. Well, the you first one, I still to. know. But they should have just kept it simple again. You don't need any plot. Like, the first <laughs> one was so simple, and it was good for it. Yeah. They should have just known what they did. But they they leave Hong Kong too fast in this film, in my opinion. Yes. Like, I enjoy the Hong Kong scenes. The the bamboo scaffolding like chase cool. is, is really good. Like, it's a good stunt. Yeah. It's a lot of that's fun. Probably, that's probably the best. I feel like that's the best stunt set piece in all of them. It's it's the one I remember. When I think of Rush Hour and think of the stunts, that's the one I remember for some reason. Hmm. Um, but, yeah, they like it feels like they're in Hong Kong, Kong for like a blink and then they're back in the US again and that's when the movie just gets it's confusing and it doesn't feel very different to the first one. But like I don't know, you get you get Chris Tucker running through the sewers like a girl. I don't know. Hong Kong's <laughs> a lot of fun. Leave me in Hong Look Kong. Look at that rat. That, that's that's the thing because like I kind of remember when I first started watching the second one again. I was like, oh, that's right. It's like a cool contrast. Now he's the outsider in this country. I'm like, yeah, that'll, that'll be fun. And then it's like ten minutes later, they're out of there. And Griner nailed it. That's kind of when my interest went on it. Once they <laughs> came back, because then it is the same stuff again. I feel like, but. Definitely, yeah. It's 
I mean, it's the case with, again, it, in that time, you know, it was two, early 2000s and you can just tell producers and probably Brett, Brett, Brett Ratner were like, no, nah, audiences are going to want to see more LA. They don't like this Hong Kong place. And it's like, oh, you got, mm. you guys missed an opportunity. It would have been better as a film entirely set in Hong Kong. You're right. Um, but I guess just the time they were like, no, we can't spend too long. We need to bring it back. And I'm okay with going back because you see, you get more interesting stuff because you get um, Don Cheadle in, in the oh, restaurant. That's he's right. Best, yeah. He's, he's great in it. Like his one scene is really, really good. Yeah. Um, you get the scene with Jeremy Piven as the fashion guy. <laughs> That's really great. Mm. So like the Hong Kong stuff's great. And the Michael Jackson karaoke scene in the beginning, masterclass. That is cinema. Right it there. is good. It is very fun. And just Chamoun, Chamouli. Gets me. Gets me. Any anytime Chris Tucker's dancing is good. I enjoy that in any of these movies. Pretty good dancer. He's a really good dancer. Yeah. Um, the other big scene that I think is hilarious in Vegas, where he's at the tables and he like, gets in the chips. He's like, "What the hell is that?" He's like, five thousand dollars chips. Like, why? Why the black man get a nickel? And it just yeah. goes on. Then he's giving the whole "I have a dream" speech. About yeah. It. <laughs> he's really over the top there, but I think that's it's okay for him being over. Like he's trying to be a bit of a distraction. Yeah, he's yeah, he's yeah. playing to the people around him. Like it's it's fun there to to be over the top, Chris Tucker. Um, mm. Whereas he can be a bit much at other times. Yeah, I, I never. And again, I guess it's just me seeing this. This being my first Rush Hour movie, I don't see that as an issue. Mm. I do. I can imagine. Yeah, seeing the first one and having that as your standard, it would seem a bit different. Because is this? This is this is what I'm talking about, like where I don't remember stuff. Is this the one with the the female double agent? Yeah, Isabella. That they her on through the window for about five minutes. <laughs> Slow down, like, baby. Through the boat, <laughs> Jackie Chan being creepy yeah, hits different it doesn't work. than it, Chris Tucker yeah, being creepy. It's, it's not right. But it doesn't feel great. right. But he says it. He's so ashamed of it at the end. It's great. <laughs> yeah, but it's just oh. it, it feels way more seedy with him being like, yeah, do it slowly. I'm like, oh, <laughs> that feels weird. Yeah. Like, I need Chris Tucker saying it. Like, that's, it feels oh, that's a bit a, okay. The, the scene when he swallows <laughs> and he loosens his collar. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> I was almost expecting steam to pop out, but yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I love it. Um, yeah, no, these these this one I think is almost more quotable as well. Like this, the scene where he's talking to Isabella, he's like, "This is my city, uh, this is my city." That always gets me. Um, the I have a dream part when he's talking to Don Sheila, he's like, "I'll shoot you and say you fell in the kitchen." <laughs> and then at the end, when he's fighting, um. Who leaves you? He's like, I'm going to pretend that you're a man, a very beautiful man with a perfect body that I'd like to take to the movies. <laughs> I still just, I quote that to myself sometimes just in the street. I think it's great. It's, it's very mean, but he's like, I think he's judging the girls at the start and he's like, you third world ugly. It's, it's just, <laughs> oh, God. it's a very mean, but I don't know. I kind of very funny. Oh, yeah. yeah. And even the massage parlor scene where he's just like picking all the different girls. Yeah. It's like, what are you doing? He's never jump in front of a black man in a buffet line. <laughs> But, but um, yeah, I know you're right. Like the plot is the plot's a mess, but it's just an excuse to to globe hop. You know, like we now have to go to this part of the world. Yeah, I don't. I think I like I like going into Jackie Chan's past a little bit more. And even though you don't really get any, it's more nothing but surface level. You at least get some sort of 
an emotional resonance because you need that without having the daughter, right? You can't just have, um, we're trying to stop crime laws. You need something. And having that is, I think, a pretty good way to keep them invested. Yeah. Because this is the one where he thinks he's dead, doesn't he? This is the bomb? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and the P. Diddy just... scene. He's leaving the car listening to it. Great. It's so great. Yeah. Yeah. And he, yeah, Jackie Chan thinks he's dead for like 10 minutes and goes on revenge. Really, it lasts your own. It's, it's about 10 minutes and then he's just all good again. It's, it's a bit weird. Yeah, and he's like, yeah. you died. And he's like, who died? And he's like, you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh. yeah, I love this movie. All right, should we move on? Mm. Yeah. All right. Carter is now working as a Los Angeles traffic officer. While his friend and ace Hong Kong police inspector Lee escort the Chinese ambassador Han, who you might remember from the first film, to the World Criminal Court. However, after a botched assassination attempt, the mismatched duo will find themselves in picturesque Paris, struggling to achieve a precious list of names as the murderous crime syndicate's henchmen try their best to stop them. I watched this movie quite literally two hours ago. <laughs> and I, I, and I've, I don't understand what happened in it. Mm. This movie, yeah, it, the plot is very confusing. And like we, we brushed on it, but this movie is the most... Like Chris Tucker is the sleaziest he could possibly be. In he feels almost, like a different character. In almost every situation, like propositioning the people he arrests at the start, like bending them over yeah. his hood, and like the camera angle of their butt, like it's just, it feels dirty. It's it's just really awkward. And then sexualizing the daughter, um, you know, pretending to be the the fashion designer and getting all the women to undress. It just, I don't it's know. Just... The whole thing just makes me feel dirty. He he seems older, mm. and he doesn't seem like the Chris Tucker from Rush Hour 1. And I don't know if it's just like, I don't know if there's like a 90s filter on things that kind of make things more acceptable. And this seems, looks more modern, so it's, it comes across more weird. But yeah, it just, it feels really cringy and a bit creepy. Like, he's no longer this funny dude just saying his thoughts. It's like, no, he's a pervert. Like, he's, yeah. he's not a good dude at all. No, like, you take this scene where he's um he first meets Genevieve, whatever her name is, at the background table, and he sits down and he's like, you probably don't understand a word I say. And then he goes on to explain for 10 minutes, like, how he wants to just have sex with her. And yeah. then you compare that to the fight scene or something with Hugh Lee, and he's like, you know, I'm going to pretend you're a man, a, a very beautiful man with a perfect body who I'd like to take to the movies. Yep. That's kind of yeah. funny and like a bit, you know, it's like he's flirty, he's interested, but it's yep. whatever. Whereas these other scenes, he's just like, I want to just have sex with you. I'm like, yeah, it's weird. It, it's Brett and Ratner. I don't, <laughs> and, and this is not legitimately. So this film feels much more dated than the other two, which is coming yeah. out six years old. It feels mm. like it should be much older. But in the original two, Chris Tucker did a lot of improv. Like most of the stuff is um, is all ad-libbed and it's his own material. In this one, I do, I wonder though. I don't know. I didn't find this story anywhere, but I just have a suspicion that this one is a lot more heavily scripted. Mm. And with Brett Ratner probably being like, I want you to say this line now. And one yeah. reason is, you see in the in the bloopers, there's parts where Jackie Chan's, in that scene where he says, um, let's rent a dirty movie. He's just sort of like, there's 10 bloopers where he's like, I like ones with prison scene. I like ones with a shower scene. And in the very end, he's like, I like ones with horse. He's like, what does that mean? And Br- Brett Ratner told me to say that. And it's like, played as a laugh. <laughs> But when you think, but now knowing what you're doing, I'm like, ah, oh, this, mm. it's just kind of weird. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. And you feel yeah. it's, yeah, the, yeah, 100%. As soon, as soon as you're watching Jackie Chan, like, say all these lines, 
and then like he, he says that comment it's just like yeah it feels weird and even jackie chan just saying that comment it's like yeah, now it's... jackie chan is chris tucker's character yeah like yeah. it's like it, it's it's i don't know it it doesn't feel the same as the first one they've no it, it ripped the innocence of them away i don't know it's just that it's that problem with sequels you wait too long with the magic's gone and you can tell it's just kind of a, a cash grab a little this, bit. And yeah, this one feels very clearly like much later. They yep. they look so much older. It's it seemed quite clear to me that Jackie Chan's not doing anywhere near as many of his own stunts anymore. Like yeah. this movie really feels lacking in the Jackie Chan stunt department. Yeah, in my yep. opinion, like it's it's very sorely missed. Yeah, yeah. well, you see, like his stunt in the beginning is he just sort of he jumps out the window and he climbs down a building, and although yep. it's still impressive. Yeah, there's no leaping over things. There's no real fights. It's all really toned down. Mm. Um, yeah, and the humor just misses the mark. Chris Tucker is—he's just—he's not the same character. It's so bizarre. Just every line he has, everything he's talking about is just like very creepy in this. And it's, and it's like this is weird. I don't know why this. I don't know how this happened. There's the scene. I don't know. I kind of like some of the lines, but like the scene where he's listening to. Um... Jackie Chan fight fight the girl in the room. He thinks they're having sex. He's like, "Come on, crouching tiger, don't hide that dragon." <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. They made me laugh, but it's still it's still kind of a creepy scene, right? Like he's, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, he's, he comes in. He's comes so in to he's so desperate for sex that he's listening to someone else have sex through a wall. Like, ugh. Man, yeah. but like it go it goes for a few minutes. Of him yeah, just like it's just like another guy, and he's just like, yeah, tear that ass up. <laughs> oh man, it's yeah, it's. It hits different now, <laughs> like, yeah. and you can't get away from that um, Brett Ratner taint. I feel like in this mm-hmm. one, actually. I do, and like I do feel almost like watching them. Like this is this feels like an entirely different sort of saga. And I remember it did at the time as well. So like, I was obviously a big fan of the of number two when it came out. Rewatched number one, and I remember waiting for years because I love we love these movies. Me and my sister we yeah, used to watch same. these movies religiously. Same. And so I remember when this came out, I saw the movies, I was super excited. And we were like, finally, Rush Hour 3 is coming. Especially because there's that great blooper in Rush Hour 2 where he's like, damn, he ain't going to be in Rush Hour 3. <laughs> and the whole time we were like, when's this happening? Yeah. And so to have this movie come out, I remember even at the time being, what was I, would have been 13 turning 14. I remember leaving and I was like, that is just not the same. That doesn't feel the same. That feels different. Mm. And now, yeah, coming at it again with all that we know, it's like, this is just a really, it's kind of a sad movie in a lot of ways there are still funny parts about it and um i don't want to say it's it's not awful i definitely enjoyed elements but it's really much much worse like leagues below the other two mm. it's like a it's like a duology with a with a little a little sibling that no one likes and it goes into that whole thing like i can't think of stunts from number three where i'm like man that was a cool stunt the only thing that comes to my mind is like uh chris tucker hanging out of the car like with his leg and I'm like, that's just a normal action stunt now that's in action films. Like, yeah. it would have been done with CGI or something. Like, I, I don't know. It just doesn't have the same thing to it. It doesn't, it doesn't have that small scale. Obviously, the budget is three times or four times whatever the original was. Um, it doesn't have that just cool fight choreography stunts in the in this no. film at all that I feel like, like or that I remember. Yeah, Even the sword fight at the end just feels a lot lamer. Yep. 
Yeah, this movie seems to turn to like tropes a lot. Like you get that the scene at the start where they go to the kung, the, the kung a lot fu. of tropes. Grab. I know, I love my tropes. The, you know, the kung fu um, training place, and then he like opens the yeah. back door, and there's a giant dude in there, and like I don't know, it just feels like I've seen so many movies where they fight the the really tall guy, and he just gets his ass handed to him, and then of course they're in Paris, and they have to go to the Eiffel Tower, which has been in the background of every scene so far in this film. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up, though. I will say, I do find that scene funny where he's like, you is blind. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> the best part. He's like, who are you? I am you. Who I are you? you? <laughs> and then he's, he's like, goes, you. And he's like, me? Yeah, you. He's like, you? me. That, as simple and stupid as it is, got a laugh out of me. Probably the only thing in number three that got a laugh out of me, but I found it funny. So, yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's a good back and forth, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what did you think? What did you think about getting the nun to swear to the to the French guy? That scene goes for too long. It does go for too long. I, I didn't mind parts of it, but I think yeah, it's just way too long. Yeah, it's funny at the beginning, but yeah, it, I just remember watching and thinking, "Wow, they're still riffing on this." And, mm. Yeah, and I feel like uh, it's not funny when the whole "No worries, my brother," and she's sl- it's yeah. not funny. Like it yeah. comes across like that's meant to be funny, but it's not funny. And yeah, I feel like it's cool. because they stay in that scene too long. You guys like nailed it. It's just yeah, it is funny for a bit at the start where you're like, oh no, this is this is funny that they're getting the nun to do this, and then it's just like okay, we get yep. it, we get it. Yes. But, yeah, yeah. Um, no, Conan, what 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 are your thoughts that Roman Polanski's in this? Oh, it's it's very strange. Like I, like, Roman Polanski is an incredible director, and his career, you know. He's an incredibly good filmmaker and he's very important to film history. But um, he's obviously, well, he was almost like the OG, <laughs> bad director, sex offender guy mm. before the Me Too movement, before all these. He he's was. OG Brett Ratner. <laughs> kind, like, kind of. Roman Polanski was the original, like, this guy is a criminal and shouldn't be making movies, but was still making movies. And, you know, some of the movies he was making whilst in exile from America are really good. And so I. Um, you know, I believe art can be separated from the artist, and I think his art is usually really good. I think his weird cameo in this is so, so strange. And I remember seeing it originally. I was like, that's Roman Polanski. I don't know. He's a director. I don't know why he's here. And, yeah, when you hear about just he liked the films and Brett Ratner offered him a role, and then you, you, you combine that with the pseudo-conspiracy, pseudo-factual fact that there is, like, you know, Hollywood power abuses and conspiracies of sex abuse going on in Hollywood. It's like, oh, this there's this all falls into place. Stuff it's not, is going on. It's really not a leap to be like to see why this all this has happened. Like why this random French director who at the time wasn't allowed to go back into America and was, you know, being accused of these crimes. Is he not was, still not allowed into America? Oh, he's still not, but this I'm what I'm saying is in two thousand seven he wasn't yeah, either. Yeah. This isn't like so at the time he was still exile. Yeah. And um even then people like Oh, this guy's not, you know, he's got a shady past. I'm like, no, it's cool. I'll bring my friend Polanski onto set. Yeah. It's just like, oh, geez, that's, a bad that's choice. weird. It's really yeah. weird. And even when he puts his, like, at the end, the joke is that he, um, you know, he puts his finger up their ass to. to yeah. That's the, like, that's the punchline. It's just, yeah. I don't, I don't, yeah. Like, I don't, what, I, did, what did you guys make of it? Yeah. Like, that's the thing. I'm. Yeah, basically same as you. It's at the time watching it, I wasn't like, "Oh, that's Roman." I was like, "I don't know who this dude is." 
was like, yes. it feels like a cameo. As a, mm. as a 14 year old, I was like, this feels weird. I don't feel like this guy's a great actor or anything like that. It's weird. Yeah. But um, watching it now and everything we know about Brett Ratner is is quite weird and jarring. And I was a bit surprised when he showed up. I was like, oh, shit, I didn't know that. Um, it's very jarring. But, yeah, it's just so much wrong with this film. Because, like, I feel like there's just so many scenes as well. Like Grana said about, you know, he's getting all these girls to strip down and mm. analyzing them for what feels like 15 minutes. Um, but it's also, there's just like a lot of shots of like the burlesque show. And it's just like, it feels yeah. like Brett Ratner's just enjoying himself in Paris and just like filming <laughs> stuff. Like, I, I don't know. There's the whole thing with the girl with the shaved head and. Like, him. yeah, that I said yeah. we'd come back to it. That scene is so jarring. It goes for six minutes and it's, yeah. and yeah, it's, it's, it's Chris Tucker just being like, I nearly made out with a man. It just goes on and on. Like as a one-off because line, shaved head. It's so yeah, as a as a one-off line, it's fine if he's just like, oh man, she's a man. It's like, haha. You know, he doesn't expect women to shave their heads. Okay, but it just goes on. Mm. Yeah, and it's just like, why? It's yeah, and that that's the kind of thing I feel like. Brett Ratner's just like, this is funny because that's gross, and it's like, oh yeah, this is bizarre. That's how it comes across. Is Brett Ratner's like, this is hilarious. Keep making comments. That's make comments to bold, like bald women out there. Like, yeah, yeah. this is gross. Yeah. And it just feels really weird and like bully-like. It's just, mm. yeah, I don't know. But This film feels a lot more nasty. That's, um, yeah, that's, and that's kind of the, I don't know. If, I can't remember if a friend said that to me or if I just had, the, I had the inspiration myself. <laughs> but watching it again, I was just like that. There's kind of like a nasty streak in this where, where, like what I said before, the first two I think are actually more than not celebrating the cultural differences and they're celebrating this relationship of two guys who, you know, find common ground and bond and become like brothers. Mm. And it's really sort of, it's, yeah, even though it's like it's pointing at the, you know, the foibles and it's like, haha, these are how we differ, but at the end of the day, we're all, we're all friends, blah, blah. It celebrates that. This movie's just a lot more like, it's just got a real nasty bone. Yeah. It's like some yeah. people are just gross. And it's like, it's funny to, yeah, it's, it's fun to, to have this scene where Chris Tucker's like, I'm going to keep your license until you come to the date on me. Like that's, yeah. <laughs> that's very illegal and just really unethical. And, and then yeah, not, like, not funny. The fat one's yours. Like, it's just yeah. like, it's constant, like little comments and yeah, yeah. it just feels like, Brett Ratner showing his asshole, basically. <laughs> so, yeah. And even a- apart from that, the whole thing with the brothers is a little weird. Like, it feels so tropey as, as well. Um, and the, and the, uh, the taxi driver, the Chekhov's gun of a taxi driver. Like... <laughs> I mean, he's the, probably the funniest part. He is funny, three. but it's it's still like such a cop out at the end that he's the one that, you know, yeah. saves the he's day. Like, he's like, I followed you. It's like, what the This whole time, really? I, just, I enjoy it when he's just like, I'll never be an American. I'll never get to kill without reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's funny. That is funny. Mm. But... Yeah, that made me giggle. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I, um, do you guys, I, I already know the answer, but I'm going to ask it. Do you guys want to see a Rush Hour 4? Uh, what is Chris Tucker like these days? I don't know. What's Chris Tucker up to? He is really kind of withdrawn from acting a lot. Um, the last oh. thing I really... I don't think, you know, not for any reason to do with his career. I think mainly just he wanted to, he just wants to spend time with his family. Like he's in Silver Linings Playbook, which is, you know, 10 years now, but he's really good in. Um, and I saw one of his stand-up shows on Netflix and it was really unfunny. And I was like, I don't yeah. know if it, yeah. 
I but, a part of me like there's a nostalgia thing. I'll be like, oh god, this is cool. You know, I'd like to go back to this. Um, I feel like after three and everything, oh, there's just a part of like, you know what? We've got what we have. Let's not ruin it. Like, I don't know. I who would you get to direct? Brett Ratner is not directing it. No, and like so, that's what we, we need. We need someone else. To, to take it on. But I would love to see that, right? I'd love to see it helmed by someone who loves the material. I would, and, I would, I'd be into it too if they like accepted their age, right? Like I don't want yeah. them to try and make it like, oh, Chris Tucker and, and Jackie Chan are still in their prime. Like make no. them old dudes who like, you know, semi-retired or something or I don't know. But yeah, don't play up their age. Make that part of the comedy. Make that part of the fun. It's always the tricky thing, though, right? Because you also can't have it where the whole film is just old person jokes, and it's like yeah. I'm too old for this. Yeah, and you're Jackie right. chose Jackie Cho goes to do a kick, and he like puts his hip oh, out my back. Like, oh. Yeah, yeah, but you're right. The same. It would have to be like post prime. You know, make make it a hard hitting character drama. It's like Jackie Chan has to confront the fact that he can't do kung fu. And Chris Tucker's like served time for sex offences. Like, I was gonna say, I was gonna say, Chris Tucker's character would have to be completely different mm. in this day and age, and especially now that he's twenty years older. Yeah, he can't pull off the same stuff at all. He couldn't even pull it off in Number Three. But no, yeah. I mean, what we need—they need a remake of the Bucket List, but have those two guys just two old men going to see things before they die, and just the beauty of their friendship because their relationship is so good. I just yeah. love seeing them hang out and just seeing if it was literally just like a, almost like a dramedy. And it was just yeah. them going around the world being like, I've always wanted to see Madison Square Garden. I've always wanted to go do this and that. It's just them doing these things. Dude, oh. gritty HBO limited series <laughs> in the vein of True Detective season one. <laughs> solving, <laughs> solving this. Yeah, they're solving this horrible murder of. Sue, is it, what's the girl's name? Sue. So young. Sue, Sue, Sue young, young. Yeah. So young. So young. Solving Sue Young's murder. She was so young. Um, now she's a murderer. So <laughs> have her be a killer. I don't know. But yeah, it's. I don't. I don't. I don't think so. I. I didn't even know there was a TV show until today, and I'm like, I'm never checking that out. So yeah, it looks. I don't think it lasted very long. But it looks. Yeah, I think. I think it was one season and done. Oh, yeah. man. So no. no. Yeah. Well, I'm still holding out hope that a a non criminal director comes on and saves it. <laughs> I think it could be anyway. fun. Like I'm keen to see Jackie Chan and, and Chris Tucker get back together. That's the part that I, excites me about that idea. Did either of you guys see the movie The Foreigner with Jackie Chan and Pierce Brosnan? No. No. So that wasn't. That's an interesting kind of movie because it's got Jackie Chan. He's a lot older and he's playing that, but he's still sort of um. He still does some of his kung fu, but it definitely feels like you can tell that he is playing into the fact that he's older, like an older man who had these skills, and it's kind of how he would do it. And that's even though that movie's a, a very obvious drama, I'm like that. You can still do that direction of Jackie Chan having stunts, but as a, but yeah, like you said, Grant, are aware that he's older and showing the limits and how that mm. would work. But anyway, uh, do you guys have anything else you want to add about? Russia? No. 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 Are there any other quotes we missed? Plenty, probably. Plenty that we're not allowed to say. We, yeah, that's, that's true. We could be here all day. We've reached all our right. quota of quoting quoting Chris Tucker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, what do we got next? Who's? I don't even know who's up. 
So, um, I realized halfway through that I hadn't picked one, but so I've come up with one on the fly. Uh, in the vein of this and karate and cool stunts, um, we're going to do the Wolverine trilogy. So this is Wolverine. Oh, no. What is it? Wolverine, not first X-Men, class. X- X-Men Origins Wolverine. Yeah, X-Men, X-Men Origins. Origins Wolverine. Then the Wolverine, which I'm very excited to see again. I haven't seen it since I first watched it. But I really like that film, and it's who really? is it? It's Denise Villeneuve, isn't it? No, no, no. It's, um, no. Oh, no, that's, it's the, no, it's the same guy who did the, the third one, which is James Mangold. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got got it confused. Um, and of course Logan as the third film, uh, which is oh, oh, spoiler alert, the best one. <laughs> but <laughs> hot take. Are you, are you sure? Are you sure? Yeah. But um, <laughs> I I remember kind of liking the wolverine and i haven't seen it in 10 15 years so yeah and i'm on a bit of a hugh jackman binge after watching prisoners recently and realizing that dude is just a beast and so i want to watch something else with hugh jackman and he is definitely a beast in these films so watch them cool right on all right that's exciting thank you everyone for joining us on um, another episode of the good the bad and the worst uh as always it's brought to you by the book that i wrote the taste of iron I don't have a copy yeah, here, but... Yeah, you know, I was, no, I was reading you, mine. I don't have it on my desk at the moment. But um, if you want to be the third person to buy a copy in the world, you know, let <laughs> us know. That'd be quite exciting. Um, if you like listening to this podcast and like listening to us talk about movies, you'll also enjoy listening to us talk about video games on our other podcast, Bonus XP, that releases every other week where we engage with anything and everything video game related. Um, you can find us on socials. I don't know what the tags are, so just... No, no, dig around. I'm sure you'll find us eventually. At good, bad, worst, and at bonus XP. It's a tricky one. I should have should have guessed. And we'll catch you next time. Peace. See ya. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? <laughs> <laughs>